Thank you. Thank you, um, Pastor JC. I don't, you know, it's a little bit of pressure on me to, to dive deep. Um, um, but there was something that you said earlier that really kind of struck me as we think about this series of um, spiritual battles, um, referencing Jesus in his hometown and not much faith was there, so he wasn't able to do many miracles. And one of the issues that we have when we're dealing with spiritual battles is that it begins to chip away at your confidence, your assurance that God is really for you. And so this series kind of birthed out of um, what Pastor AJ's idea with some other pastors and we were all just discussing um, what are some ways, what are some kind of street level things that we are dealing with that we don't always get a chance to talk about and how do we combat and fight against how the enemy of our soul is trying to destroy us. And so we started off in, in a very important way of like really recognizing our identity um, and, and following the, the example that our Lord and Savior has set in his, and how his identity helped him propel him um, to fulfill the mission that he had, authority and, and the importance of that, um, that, it, that takes that we have a box, that we have a, a ground that we can stand on, and in the midst of the storm we can continue to stand and believe that God will raise up a standard against it because of that authority that he has given to us. And Pastor Corey did a great job last week of talking about the battle of anger and kind of the deeper things that come along with it. Right? There, there is some level of kind of anger can help in some ways, but it can move into a sinful space. And I think he helped us to identify that and, been, and then be, be able to begin to deal with that. Um, this evening, we're going to be looking at lust. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about lust. So, um, I mean, we got, it's one of those battles, and so I apologize um, beforehand, but that means we're going to be talking about sex on some level, and and unfortunately, I've been tasked to do that in front of you. I just realized, you know, studying everything, it was easy, but looking at faces and recognizing, man, we got to really go there. Yeah, we got to do that. Um, Hey, but that's what I've been given. That's the task, and I ain't scared of y'all, so we're going to go here. So, um, if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 27 through 30. Um, the title of this sermon is Spiritual Battles, Lust. Um, and then there's three things that I hope to accomplish this evening. Um, I want to identify the battleground. Identify the battleground. Secondly, I want to talk about the tremendous cost of losing. There's a tremendous cost of losing this battle um, and then finally, how do we fight? How do we actually fight this battle against lust? Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be, to be used by you. Um, but I ask that you will move me to the side and use me as a tool 
um, as a carpenter uses a hammer, use me to communicate your message this evening. Prepare our hearts to hear those things that are from you, that it may be inscribed in such a way that changes us and helps us to look more and more like Jesus. I give you the honor and the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the things that I think is really important for us to recognize as we're thinking about this particular passage is the fact that we're really kind of diving into a sermon, famously called the Sermon on the Mount. And if, if you don't recognize that this is a, a, a series of, or this is a discourse where there's a continuous train of thought, then sometimes when you, you dive in, you won't capture everything that Jesus was trying to communicate because we don't recognize that it goes on beyond just this point. We're going to focus in on these three, four verses, but it's important to remember that man, Jesus had been doing some things, proclaiming the kingdom, telling people to repent, healing the sick. And so there's a, a great crowd there. And they were, they were considered, I think Matthew is talking about the crowd as, as, as his disciples, as he sits down on this mount to begin to communicate to them. Um, he starts off with the Beatitudes, and this is a really radical thing for a lot of them to hear, um, because if you think about who's in the audience, there's probably a lot of folks who were sick, um, maybe kind of outcast. There, there was certainly a segment of the population that wouldn't have just been accepted. And to hear that the kingdom of God was theirs, that, 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 that they had the opportunity, just like the folks who seemed to be more blessed, had to be mind-blowing. Um, so the, the, you got to kind of picture yourself in this position where you have this rabbi figure, this guy who's moving in authority of God, the power of God is on his life, and he's proclaiming that you are blessed. And he moves on and he talks about being the light of the world and, and, and salt. <coughs> Excuse me. One, a couple of things that I think is really important for us to kind of frame where, where, with this conversation is in verse 17, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus, thank you. Jesus is not, because their minds are blown, he didn't want them to, under, to misunderstand him in thinking that somehow he was pushing aside the law that they had heard from Moses and had been passed down. And that they would have learned from the Pharisees. So that's important to remember that. And then secondly, verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, that that is like. Jesus saying, you know, you remember Mother Teresa, your, your, your righteousness needs to exceed hers if you would like to make it into heaven. The people who were sitting on the, the, the mountainside of, and listening to Jesus, their mind would have just been at one point a really high space that, man, I am blessed. And then just comes crashing down when the reality is the most holy people that I know, that I've seen, who seem to be kind of anal on every little thing, every iota of the law. And I have to be better than them. This is the frame of mind that that you have to remember that the audience is in as he begins to like kind of take them into this. And so when he starts off and, and he does it with anger by starting in the in the in the Ten Commandments and, and, and what he says in verse 27, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. Immediately they go back to the Ten Commandments, I believe it's the seventh command. 
And they, they recognized that this was something that was passed down from Moses. But it's really interesting what Jesus says is that you've heard that. The, the reality is everybody doesn't have like access to um, an iPhone or a tablet or a paper Bible. Everybody during this time frame didn't have access to that. There were scrolls and maybe some of them were fortunate enough to be able to get their hands on it. But mostly they were taught that. And so one of the things that Jesus is doing, and, and I pointed to verse 20 because I wanted you to capture this, this idea that he is juxtaposing what the Pharisees and the, the teachers of the law were saying to them and how they would have taught them. So think of it as a bucket, as a, as a, as a, as a segment of thought that I'm going to say this and then you begin to think of something greater. Um, to give you an example of what I'm trying to say is um, I got a younger brother. He's only watched Spider-Man. For anybody who's a Marvel Comics um, fan, the movies, the series out there, there was something that very important that happened in the Avengers series where everybody dies. And if you didn't see it, that's your fault. You've had enough time to be able to see it. Thanos, he does the snap, and then everybody, like half the planet is evaporated, right? That's just what happens throughout the universe. Well, my brother hadn't seen that. And so he jumps into the story at, at Homecoming or the, the very first Spider-Man after the Infinity War and, and, and Endgame of Avengers. And so he was like, Sean, what is the snap? I'm like, man, you don't know what the snap is? How can you call yourself a Marvel fan if you don't know what the snap is? That one phrase, snap, means a lot. And there was 11 years worth of movies that led up to that point. That just by saying snap begins to bring into remembrance a lot of the key points during that storyline. This is what Jesus is doing. You have heard that it was said here. Picture your Pharisee, your teacher and the things that he has taught you in the ways and the way he's lived. I want you to think about that. And then he puts himself, his authority right next to it by saying in verse 28. But I say to you. That everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus just kind of moved it and helped them to recognize whether they realize it or not, that they have been taught a piece of what God wanted them to recognize with the Ten Commandments. But it wasn't fulfilled. They didn't see the entire extent of what God was trying to give to them. So when we think about lust, one of the first things that we have to do is identify where the real battlefield is. Because like with the Pharisees and with most of us, my natural bent is to think of, okay, what are the rules? How close can I get to the rules without breaking them? Especially if I think it's fun, if I, if I think it's, it's something that is enjoyable, if all my friends are into it, I don't want to feel like I'm a, a lame or a square or I'm getting pressured by somebody that I really like. How close can I get to the line without actually breaking the rule that is presented to me? And so you have an environment where men in particular during this particular time where they could just divorce women just at you, my, my mashed potatoes aren't smooth enough, you're out of here. I, I, I don't like lumpy mashed potatoes, so I no longer want you as a wife. So we would, would find men divorcing women in, in just ridiculous ways to avoid committing adultery. And there was also this 
proclivity that maybe we all have is that, man, if I'm just thinking about it, I'm not actually doing it. I can actually kind of nestle up against the law, but not actually break the law because it's just in my mind. And what Jesus has done is helped them to see, no, you can't get close to the line. In fact, if you look at a woman with lustful intent, then you've actually crossed the line. You've actually broke the law. So identifying where the issue is, is that it's not kind of an external thing. It's actually an internal thing. It's actually a heart situation. The, the Pharisees are good at identifying the fruit, but, but, but really it's the roots where the issue really lies, that God is really concerned, what God really wants to see changed about us, what, what he will not tolerate is at the heart level. It's not just in the actions themselves. And so making this distinction there, I'm sure that there was a group of people there that was, oh man, I'm sunk here. I'm, I'm absolutely sunk. I'm, I, I, I was just looking at someone the other day. And maybe, maybe someone in here, you know, it's really, it's really kind of amazing how much sex is used to sell things. Like even like body deodorant, soap. It's going to help you get someone of the opposite sex apparently now. And, and, and that's why you should invest in that particular product. And it's everywhere that you look. And, and, and hear me, I'm, I'm focusing primarily on sex because that's what this particular passage is talking about. But lust, this, this sinful desire, it's desire that has been turned in a direction that is away from God. It will begin to put things before God. It really kind of pulls you away from the love of Christ and the relationship that he's made available to you. It is kind of a perverted desire um, that that really kind of brings about the disdain from God concerning it. And it could be a whole host of things, but in particular, what we're talking about here is concerning sex. And in the environment that we live, and how kind of in a culture that, that says that f- sex is a hookup culture that we live in, especially if you are in your 20s right now, it is more and more just common not to say that it hasn't been at other times, but it just seems even more so now. Um, we find it all in our music and, and, and on social media platforms. It's, it's everywhere that you look. You will find yourself being tempted to begin to lust and recognize that it is a heart issue. It is an issue that can bring about some some horrible, horrible consequences if we are not aware of the tremendous cost of losing this battle. And so we must think about, if, if it's at the heart level, if it's something that's internal, it means that I can't just think about it. I can't just harbor these kind of lustful thoughts and, 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 and looks that I may have concerning someone. Then I must think about kind of what is on the line. And Jesus, he, he quickly moves into that. In the next verse, he says... For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Excuse me, I skipped a verse. Um, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. 
And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. When you think about Jesus's language that he's using here. Very, very stark language. Gouging out your eye, cutting off your arm. There is a lot on the line that there's sometimes we're not aware of how serious God is concerning sin. So Jesus uses very, very, very strong language to heighten our awareness of how serious that we need to fight this battle against lust. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. See, a part of the issue and why is such a stark thing that Jesus wants to bring is because in this lustful intent, in this looking that he uses to describe this man looking at a woman, he is behaving as if he doesn't even know God. That he is effectively severing the relationship that he has with God to pursue the the fruit that should not be pursued in his mind or in his heart. That is, is deeply offensive to God. That the very one that he created that you would use as a tool of something that he would find degrading of his image bearer. It's as if you don't even know God. It's as if you are conducting yourself in a fashion like the Gentiles do. First Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Jesus is saying that you need to gouge out your eyes and cut off your arm because there's a war that is going on for your soul. And that lust will drag you away from the king of kings. See, when we, we think about this, Jesus uses this lustful look and then goes back into adultery. Adultery is cheating on your spouse. It is severing a covenant relationship. When you, when you search the word lust, <clears throat> Ezekiel is, is primarily where you're going to find it. And it's all about the idolatry of the nation of Israel from, from uh, uh, um, idolatry of Israel as they essentially were committing adultery against Jehovah. They were giving themselves to another God. And it's in this giving yourself, it is in this kind of allowing yourself to indulge in this forbidden fruit that you begin to find yourself having a soul um, that's in the midst of a war. And you're, you're, you're drifting further and further away. 
James 1, 4 um, through 15 talks about this as you're, you, are, you are enticed by your passions and then your, your passions are, are given over and, and it will produce fruit that ends in death. Because sin comes after that and then sin when it's had its full work on you, death is there. So there's a tremendous cost. In fact, Jesus says that, man, it is better to lose these items than it is to go whole into hell. Permanent separation from him. So as we think about this ground of the battle, which is in the heart, we think about the tremendous cost of losing this battle. I'm really excited to kind of focus in on how do we actually fight this battle? How do we fight in such a way that we can win? First thing, I, I, I came up with like three spheres. They're not like really steps or anything like that, but I think there are three areas in which we have to um, begin to look at that can help you to fight this battle. And the first one is that you have to begin to recognize where are some of the temptations that you face. Um, as Jesus is saying, gouge out your eyes. I, Jesus is not saying, please hear me in this. He is not saying that you need to actually literally pull your eye out of your head or cut off your right arm. Jesus is not saying that. Please do not do that. But what he is trying to say is, man, if your eyes, if, if something is capturing your eyes, then you need to do something about that. Maybe there are television programs that you watch that you know that you don't need to watch. Maybe Somebody else can watch it, but you cannot watch it because it brings up something on the inside of you that you know is not pleasing to God. There was a show when I was still doing campus ministry. It was called Scandal. Um, I remember that, that, that show was crazy because there was so many people on campus like, yo, this is what I'm doing. I'm not coming to, to small group this week because that show is on and I got to be there for that. And it was just like all the rage and like you hear little conversations about it. And I watched it like once, maybe twice. And then I said, God, I love you more. And I know this is what caused me to sin if I continue to watch this. You got to know yourself. You have to understand where the traps are, like maybe you need to keep a record of it. I mean, Jesus is, one of the other things that Jesus is doing, in particular, like if we get into like adult films and, and things of that nature, like Jesus understands how he created us. And there are neurological pathways that begin to get laid down in your mind and that will cause you to get in a space like this waging of the war of your soul that will cause you to go back as a coping mechanism for other pain um, because you will continue to indulge in this, this kind of lustful thing when you're looking at that kind of material. And so we, we got to understand how grave the stakes are or how great the stakes are against this. And then we have to identify why I keep falling. You may need to take a journal, but you need to be serious about it. Just as if you were gouging out your eye. For some of you, it may mean you need to get rid of your smartphone. Uh oh I don't know about that, Pastor. I, I, I mean... I'm with you with the TV programs, but my cell phone? <laughs> hey, flip phones still work. They really do. I'm, uh, and, and I'm trying to be funny, but I'm not. Because Jesus is telling us what's on the line. 
We have to approach it in that fashion. So this first kind of area that I would like for you to think through is remove the temptations and traps. So like your iPhones, your TVs, um, the TV programs, maybe certain material that you're reading that is creating lust on the inside of you for something in particular for um, in a sexual fashion. You want to get that out of there. Secondly, um, you need to find someone who will hold you accountable and someone you can confess to. We need each other in this battle. I mean, it's, the temptations are ubiquitous. And so having somebody who can have your, your back, who can see your blind spots, who may say, hey, you, you, you kind of looked a little bit longer there. What's going on? That somebody that you trust that can call you out. But that also they will walk with you. They will pray with you. They will help point you to scripture. Not just kind of anybody, but somebody who is pursuing Christ as well. We can find that in small groups. It's a great place to, to, to find that. Being a part of other Bible studies and things like that, maybe you build a relationship organically, but you need to find someone. You, you should begin to pray concerning it, asking God for the friendships that can help you in this regard. And then finally, and most importantly, in terms of battling this thing that we call lust, you got to pursue, pursue, pursue God. You know, in the Beatitudes, one of them, the, the very first one in, with, that, that Jesus brings up, <clears throat> blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> one of the things that Jesus is describing here is the person who recognizes that on their own merit, they have no right to go before the king. But Jesus is saying that, man, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. And if we have the right disposition, we look at like what Jesus would later on say in, 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 in chapter 6 of this same book, where he talks about prayer. You guys know the Lord's Prayer. That it's a daily thing that we esteem as him as being holy and we pray for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We ask daily, God, help me in this battle. I'm asking daily for this to happen. Deliver me from the evil one on a regular basis until lust no longer has a, a root in my heart. It's in this pursuing of God that you really will begin to exchange kind of an affection that you have. You know, there was a time in my life where I was... Well, I had stopped being kind of like out in the streets and stuff like that in, in terms of a bunch of relationships. But I had I had was looking for someone. But when I found Crystal Clemens, my life changed. It genuinely changed. I remember hanging out with her and we were watching basketball. I'm like, man, she's so smart. She's so pretty. And we can talk hoops. Yo, like what in the world? And it's not that I don't think other women are pretty. I have no eye for any other woman on this planet. Like I, like a, a nightmare for me is my wife leaving me. And I hug her, man. I pull her in. I'm like, no, you ain't going nowhere. 
that exchanged something. There, there, there was kind of this single Sean, and I like being single. I wasn't trying to be married and, and all of this. But then when I met her, I exchanged that passion for something where I've given my life to this woman. I would do whatever I can for her. If you do something to her, then I might have to start a prison ministry or something along those lines. I'm, you know, I've exchanged that. Well, we need to pursue God in the same fashion. That even my love for her shouldn't surpass my love for the Father. We have to doggedly pursue God in this battle. Because Jesus said that there is hell on the line. That it's like committing adultery. It's like severing a covenant relationship. And if the danger is that great, then the pursuit of our God, the pursuit of our safety, Not to mention that that's where the joy is. That's where you'll find real love. That's where things are really fulfilled. What the lust over promises and can never deliver, God actually delivers to you. It's the enemy of your soul that understands that we've been broken because of the first Adam and uses temptation and conspires with your flesh to try to draw you away as if you don't even know God. In this walk that we have. And so as we think about lust. We think about everything. And the ways that it can come in. Remember. That there's a tremendous cost of losing this battle. But we win it. When we identify some of those traps. When we have. Community around us. That we can trust and confess. And that they can hold us accountable. But most importantly. In our pursuit of the King of Kings, entering into that that holy throne room on a regular basis, having his fragrance on you because you've been spending so much time with him. That's where you will find the fulfillment that lust can never deliver to you. And it's that, I think, are the keys to winning this battle. You know, there, there is a way that we... We kind of assume certain things in terms of kind of um, like within our lives in the sense that I'm saved, so I'm just going to kind of make it in um, to heaven or um, I'm a good person. And so Jesus should accept me. But Jesus is really telling us that there is a fight that we have here on this earth. There is kind of this already not yet situation that we are in. And so let's approach this battle with the seriousness that it rightfully deserves. Uh, And if you find yourself right now, if we can close our eyes and bow our heads, if there's anyone in here who maybe is kind of caught up in this battle, that you find yourself where it is now kind of a neurological thing and I have to consistently go to movies or something like that, that I can't even appropriately look at someone of the opposite sex because of that. I want to pray for you. But if you don't know Jesus, you will never really experience the freedom that has been made available to you at the cross. So if there's anyone in here or maybe at home that doesn't know him, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. If that's you, please raise your hand. Amen. 
Let me pray for everyone else, in particular those who may be having um, the deeper issues with regards to lust. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the continued work that you do on us, in our souls, um, as our fathers, that you haven't left us as orphans. You haven't just given us a rule book and expect us to live by it. Um, But like Paul, it's through your power, it's through your grace um, that we can be transformed and made more into the image of Christ. Help us, help us, help us in this area. Daddy, if there are some things that scientists would say are neurological pathways, we pray for healing now um, and freedom for those men and women that may be caught in that space. We want to honor you with our lives. We want to honor you with our thought life and what goes on in our hearts. And so we ask that you will heal us in this fashion. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.